Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm an obvious and pandering criticism of the Oscar nominations. Because that's never been done before. Topical! I'm here, I'm Alex. <laughs> this week, we are taking a look at... Unbreakable, right? Yeah, we're sure. starting. We're starting the M Night um, Shyamalan secret no, 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 superhero I thought, trilogy. I thought we were revisiting Black Panther to tell everyone why it's terrible. Oh, oh, we're just <laughs> in all the topical jokes tonight. Uh, yeah, we are talking about a fistful of dollars. Finally, no, we're talking about Punisher season two. Oh. We are not talking about a fistful of dollars. Apparently, I did try to convince you uh, with with uh, no large amount of effort. Um, that that we need to go back and revisit Catwoman because uh, we're not doing that because we no. we we hit Venom and I realized that Venom is not really really tied in uh, to any particular franchise we've done so far. I mean, it is a Spider-Man property. However, Catwoman is also a a sort of Batman ancillary property. Uh, so you I, see, I I've actually that... been thinking. I've been thinking about returning to to some previous franchises, but. Not in a stupid way like that. <laughs> um, I feel like we should do Mask of the Phantasm and start doing animated movies. Oh, we could we could go on an but, animated but, run, but that but would take keeping some... it to those that are are released in theaters. Correct. That's that's the key. Yeah. And that that's that's my big mostly. I I assume so we can catch that in, into the Spider Verse. Yes. Yeah. We'll have to think about that. But for now, uh, off to a great start because we have spent a good two minutes not talking about a fistful of dollars. We're talking about a fistful of dollars. Yes, we're we're starting. The, Come on uh, down and claim your fabulous cash prize. Is this the Dollars Trilogy? Is that what it's called? Know, so, uh, man, the Man, man with, with No Name, name trilogy. trilogy. I think, I think I've it's heard. Both. I've heard both. Yeah. Okay. Um. So it's the first one of those. I wonder how intricate all the plot points will be in this. It's really, <laughs> it's really got to build up to something, right? I believe it. Um, Clint Eastwood so uh, oh. believed in something greater. <laughs> he he had a dream to bring together uh, people with really fast drawing hands. <laughs> and oh, this is a prequel to the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that's, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the prequel to see, I completed your joke. The for Magnificent you. How do you Seven, feel? the prequel to the Great, the Hateful Eight. So there's you know. a fistful of dollars we need directed to at by some Sergio point. Leone from 1964 was released <laughs> in the U.S. in 1967. Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing? Because I'm sick of hearing you talk about other things. <laughs> well, my, my my final point here. I feel that oh. we need to we need to somehow assemble a uh, a series of of movies where we just completely go off go off base here uh, and just do a series of movies where we just find one-off movies that have numbers in them and then we just put them all together and see how many numbers we can get through uh and then just well, say we've that got 12 angry men so if we can get we get up to 12 to yes and we can't use any of the oceans 11 movies because those are does we, does one good. flew over a cuckoo yes count perfect all right, we got off one. to a great start <laughs> i'm just gonna what's your best thing i'm gonna, your worst thing in that, I'm gonna let that that sink in if you th- if you can come up with a good two i'll be thinking about it in the back of my mind as well and we'll We'll revisit that I, in a bit. No, no. <laughs> what is your best thing and your My worst thing? Best thing is definitely Clint Eastwood. Um, he's delightful, uh, ton of fun, very, very. The the performance is just 
it's a lot more almost oddball than I was thinking it was going to be. Like, it's a lot more kind of not your maybe your traditional just swashbuckling hero. Like, I'm thinking yeah. of the entire dialogue he has with the, the guys at the beginning of the movie about his mule. It's like, I don't yeah. think my mule uh, appreciate you making fun of it or appreciate you laughing at it. And, like, the the entire, like, way he plays it is... It's always... And that's the... I think this movie does a pretty good job of this overall, is staying right on the edge of comical, where it kind of... It it, it lets you in on the joke. It lets you know that, you know, it's a little bit silly. Um, but it, it doesn't, like, lean into that so hard that you, you can't feel some gravitas in the more emotional moments. Um, and I appreciate that. I think I think his performance really embodies it well, because uh, he's, he's just overall... He's a good kind of action star for this time and uh very uh very well he's got that look very nuanced performance yeah um my can my worst thing be that this was made in 1964 <laughs> like what is what does that mean i mean in the sense that like there are certain things you're not going to get away from when you're making a movie like this i feel like back then i mean i've even talked about the fact that star wars in 1977 i feel like is is fairly dated at this point um not they they obviously they use a lot of good practical effects for that and that sort of thing but i think just overall the the simplicity of the plot and everything i think is is uh kind of kind of makes star wars feel like if you've if you've not been exposed to it when you were younger if you aren't you know a, a big fan of it from nostalgia or if in general if you just I uh, don't have a lot of love for the universe itself. I could see how you could watch Star Wars and be like, well, that was fine. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of the same sensibilities are here. This I can definitely tell that this movie was sort of on the cusp of the blockbuster era. I could, I could tell that this, and I, I assume we'll see this throughout the franchise, but I could tell that this was something that was pushing, pushing its way towards maybe evolving. I mean, I don't know exactly a lot of the other movies that came around or came out around this time like I'm, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the the history of like 50s and 60s of movies um james bond was, was sure and we'll get to we'll get to some bond was starting um, up around this time well i was gonna say i know that like western excited <laughs> i know that western sort of dominated the film for a lot of this time in terms of yeah at least maybe well, like the, action the, movies. this this time was actually when it was starting to die exactly down. the 50s was more of its you know the time to shine mm-hmm. And that's and that's kind of what I'm getting at is that it, you can tell that this is something that is making that turn. Um, it's it's starting to maybe grow out of out of the genre. I mean, I don't know the genre genre super well, but I can. It it feels more modern than what I was expecting. But there's so much of it that's sort of left behind in terms of the pacing. Um, there's still a lot of I think. I don't know exactly how to describe this, but there's I think there's a, a bigger tendency in older movies to sort of uh, very, not clumsily, but slowly transition between different segments of the plot and yeah. not necessarily have a full structure going. In, like full, you know, three-act structure, entire, like, plotted-out thing. It, it'll be a lot of, all right, we're doing one thing, and we're kind of meandering into another thing and we're kind of yeah. like it the movie kind of turns into something else uh several times without really uh having an, any sense of momentum through those parts i guess is, is what i'm getting at and th- there was something to that i think as well in the godfather which we hit not too long ago but the difference between the godfather at least the first one was that the first godfather is such a, a wide sweeping epic that that sort of feels right <laughs> where we're 
it doesn't feel, oh, we're kind of losing the plot and just sort of moving on because we got bored. It feels like, oh, we are progressing through this massive span of history and we're uh, covering all these different a- angles and nuances and therefore we have to sort of keep the plot moving and you just get used to that. Whereas this is, um, and I kind of mentioned that as well in the pacing of that, hits this one a lot harder in terms of that sensibility, that style of filmmaking. Uh, you can definitely tell that's the approach here in terms of, yeah, we don't really need to have necessarily th- this intricate plot that, that runs through the entire movie. It's like, we'll have something set up, we'll pay that off later, um, but we're just going to segment off the movie into different chunks where different things are happening in each chunk. Um, it's interesting, and I, I think some chunks are better than others, for sure, uh, in that in that regard. Um, and I think the biggest thing that leads to is just that there's a lot of boring stuff in the movie. <laughs> Uh, a lot of a lot of ground uh, that could have been covered more quickly, I guess would be your yep. way of putting it. But yeah, I don't want to just take my best thing from you again. <laughs> that's that's the same thing we did last week with Venom, where we were just like Tom Hardy. The rest of the movie sucks. Tom Hardy's the only good thing. And thus begins my video essay: Why Venom is the modern a fistful of dollars. <laughs> he's a man on a mission what can you say uh, I guess I'll just say the overall look and feel I like the way the movie mm-hmm. is shot I like the production design I like how, how all the action sequences are, are staged mm-hmm. I was impressed with how quickly it sort of drew me into the world yeah uh, I- if he... It- Despite being an Italian film, it does feel like a Western. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Um, so so that wasn't distracting at all, and I, I quite like that. And I liked how bloody it got uh-huh. at certain points. Uh-huh. I was like, no, we're not, we're not gonna we're not gonna put on kid gloves yeah. for this. Lots of sort of old style fake blood that was very kind of almost painted on. <laughs> No, we need the the specialized edition where Correct. where they just CGI blood everywhere and it just looks terrible. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll take that instead of Clint Eastwood. Um, even though I have re- re- release the Leon cut. <laughs> release the Leon cut. Even though I do have problems with Clint Eastwood's character. Um, sure. I. I I guess my worst thing, because I feel like most people, if they if they've listened to the podcast and they kind of follow my complaints with a lot of movies, they go, "Oh, the dubbing, that's got to be yeah. the thing he hates, right?" That had to infuriate him while watching this. After like ten or fifteen minutes, I was like, "Okay, I'm, yeah, it's fine." Pretty much used to it, especially um, if you turn on subtitles. Um, I don't know if yeah. you, I, you usually do. I know. Uh, yeah. I did for this one, and at that point, you're you you focus on reading the subtitles enough that you you don't necessarily focus on each word coming out of the person's mouth I think yeah so um it did bother me a bit and I even if everything else were right for the movie I I still wouldn't give it an A plus just for that Uh um just have them all speak Italian and just have it be subtitled like and that does beg the question for the Italian release did all the other actors like were they not dubbed and it was just their normal voices speaking Italian and then Clint Eastwood was dubbed? I don't know. These are these are interesting questions. Is, so is Clint Eastwood speaking in English the entire time? Because there were times when it didn't yes. seem like it quite matched up, or it almost I'm seemed pretty like sure he, he is. At least redone lines. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was speaking in English the whole time. Interesting. I was going to say um, you you mentioned that 
they should just have it. I, I don't think there's a good solution to this. You mentioned that they should just have it be subtitled with Italian speaking. I feel like the voice acting adds something. I, I think that overall they, they, they nail a lot of the, the accents and everything as far as what they're trying to hit. Um, Maybe. So I, I, I wouldn't, I would, I still would prefer to have that audio. Um, I think the only solution would just be to reshoot the movie. Um, <laughs> and, but of course the reason that they shot it in Italy is because it's cheaper there, I assume. And just generally worked better for their production. I don't know. Um, don't know a whole lot. Well, it was made by an Italian. Like, was it? Wasn't just like okay. So but, well, it was just completely like. I don't really know much started... about spaghetti westerns. You can tell that we are very out of, or at least I am very out of my element in terms of the uh, going back fifty years. And that's why I feel that people, especially those that that are, are very ingrained in these these kinds of films, should take our criticisms, especially mine, with a, with a huge grain of salt. Sure. sure. Just because I don't have a whole lot of context for this beyond like Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this this movie kind of popularized spaghetti westerns. It kind of started that that trend. Um, but I guess regarding my worst thing, I think I'm just gonna go with how loose the plot is. This is a this the plot for this movie. It feels like a short story. It, it feels like a short film. Um, I think the movie could have been told in 45 minutes and had just as much of an impact. Sure. Maybe more so, because I wouldn't have been falling asleep during part of it. Um, And I want to be candid about this. I have watched this movie two different times, and both times I started falling asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> and that doesn't happen to me that often. Um, But it didn't happen once, it happened twice. <laughs> um. Sure. Both times it was around when he actually rescues the family and kind of sends them on their way. Really? Um, yeah, that both times it was around <laughs> that part. I I felt afterwards that I started definitely to uh lose lose focus a little. Um yeah. I felt it was after that point. I felt like that that was a pretty nicely done series of events, I guess. Um I I liked I liked the general subplot with the family. Um, because I think that added added a nice level to the character, um, and I was I was saying this to you earlier. I feel like, not to derail your your point, but I was just gonna say I feel like this character very much uh, in a way that was probably very obvious to people at the time of the original Star Wars. Going back to that, uh, but now is probably completely lost to anybody except us who happens to go back and watch through these and you know kind of have the the context for these. Um, it really feels like this must have been a a, a serious impact or uh, inspiration for Han Solo. Um, well, just to go ahead and say, this movie is... The story for this is liberally taken from uh, Kurosawa's Yojimbo uh-huh. film, which Kurosawa was an inspiration for Star Wars. Sure, sure. So, so maybe, maybe we have to go back farther. But um, just in terms of... Clint Eastwood as the the action star and sort of the um, man with a, a heart of gold, but but rough around the edges sort of thing going on. Uh, I I I remember as a as a young kid always feeling a little put off by how I was supposed to feel about Han Solo. I think, um, in terms of like it almost felt like I was supposed to know more about this character. Um. This is a feeling I, I don't remember having for a long time because obviously now I'm so ingrained in Star Wars' universe. But I remember that that being something that I was always 
put off or originally put off by when I first watched it. And I, I feel like there's something to that and the fact that maybe the fact that, A, I never watched Bond movies as a kid, um, but also when I, this as well, like that, that sort of archetype, I think, has shifted to where that's not really around anymore. Maybe maybe we're seeing it sort of rise again or, or a different version of it rise again with the superhero movies. Um, but I feel like it's it's something that, that is lost uh, when you watch Star Wars 50 years later, whatever it is, it is now. Um, I feel like something about the cultural context of that is, is maybe lost a little bit upon uh, our younger generation. Uh, just because, obviously, that was kind of the first massive blockbuster, at least one of the first ones. And so that's that's a very interesting thing that, that sort of clicked for me as I was watching this. The fact that Star Wars was not the first movie ever. <laughs> um, or the at least the first action movie ever, as as I think many Contrary people... Contrary <laughs> to popular belief. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I, I really... That, w- that was kind of a neat thing is, again, going back to that transition period where it's kind of understanding how this developed through uh, on it, how this was a stopping point on the way to Star Wars and uh, all the the action movies we have now, even. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't get over how boring the plot <laughs> was. I know. Um, there's really not a whole lot to it, and when it got to the point where I can't remember what the names of the different families are. Oh, um, when the it's the Rojos and the Baxters. Yes. yes. When the Rojos go to uh, burn down the Baxters place mm-hmm. and kill them all, I was like, "You could have done this an hour ago. You could have done this before Clint Eastwood showed up. What? Why? What initiated this? Because they they seem to be in battle trying to take you know control the city, and I feel like that conflict could have been resolved." a lot faster yeah um particularly because there didn't seem to be much of like a police force or anything which is fine because it's like oh it's a western town there's no law here um well the baxters were like the the sheriff was a baxter that was the yeah but i feel like he didn't have any backup because you shot him (laughs) it's fine well i think they explained that don't they don't they specifically have a dialogue the the rojos where they're like oh hey we can't just shoot him Oh, maybe not. Maybe I'm getting back at you. Something I don't know. And, and I, I think this is. I, I'm sure there there is some stuff to back, some plot information that that kind of strengthens that a bit. Yeah. But I feel like the movie, because of its slow pace, because it takes so much time to get to things, the way it doles out information to the audience, I found very strange and yeah. counterintuitive. Yeah. Um. Well, that and just general plot beats, like. Yeah, thinking about I, I, I still can't tell you what was going on with the military stuff. Where there's the fake out, where the one the one Rojos brother like kills all of the the I guess it's the Mexican army because he's disguised as a U.S. Yeah. army guy because they want the with, guns with his or they they want the gold. Sorry, not the guns. It's that simple. I was like, but it didn't lead to anything. It was just kind of like, oh, it's an introduction to this character. Is that it? Yeah, and that was gonna what I was gonna say is that like. You've got that. It seemed like something that would lead to like some greater conspiracy is, or something. Yeah, well, you've, this movie starts off the first like third of it is a lot more intricate than the the last half. Like all the stuff, maybe the first half even all the stuff with Clint Eastwood, um, where he is he's running around and uh, getting 
basically pitting the two sides against each other. Um, I forget exactly what because basically he he gets the bodies from the um, the the dead army men and he plants them up so that and he's like, oh hey Rojos, th- these guys are or he goes and he talks to the the um, the Baxters and he's like, hey guys. You've got these uh, these these army men over here. They they can tell you something about what what went down. They you know they're witnesses to the the massacre. That what's the the lead Rojo's name? Is it Ramon? Yeah, Ramon. Yeah. yeah. And so you, I, I have the Rotten Tomatoes page up. Beautiful. That's that's how I'm finding most of this information right now. Uh, Ramon Ramon uh, after he kills all the army men, uh, Clint Eastwood and the uh, the the little. He's the the guy that's that's with him at the um or the the bartender that like is is sort of the only person who cares about anyone in this town. I forget his name. Um, they they go and they pick up bodies, the bodies of the army men, and they lay him up in the the graveyard. And they're like, "Hey, Baxters, you got to go find this guy." And then Clint Eastwood runs over to the Rojos and he's like, "Hey, Rojos, you got to go kill those guys because they're gonna, you know, let them know what what you did." Uh, or they they have information and they can they can get you guys you know hunted down by the army, and so that that's really fun. Uh, I like I like that a lot. That's that's and then you get, they get a big shootout in the graveyard. That's a lot of fun. Um, that's all really cool. And then of course at that point, um, Clint Eastwood is is scoping out for some money for some uh, a fistful of dollars perhaps in the uh, oh my god in the Rojo's hideout. <laughs> the only the only thing that could have made me hate this movie was if he had actually <laughs> used that title somewhere in the dialogue. What's your name, sir? Well, I'm Dollars a Fistful. <laughs> uh, they... I'm Dollars, son of Fistful. <laughs> no, he's he's Fistful of the town of Dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. <laughs> Uh, and and he... <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start using that for when fistful of dollars goes to the the town. <laughs> when when fistful of dollars goes goes to the Rojo's side out, uh, and then then Marisol uh is is like discovers him. And he, he he knocks her out, um, and ends up taking her to the Baxters because the Rojo's captured um the Baxter's right-hand man, I forget the guy's name, um, as I have forgotten many of these names. I promise... But how did he know that... I promise I was paying attention, but... I, I, he's... He, it shows, did he know he does, that yes. they were going to he, capture... He he picks her up, and he goes to, to take her. Um, he's trying to just, like, get... I guess he's trying to figure out what to do with her. And he goes outside, and they he hears them all coming back, so he goes and hides with her unconscious. Okay. And then he, he hears them talking about how uh, they've, they've captured this guy. Um... Well, never mind. Maybe this is the most intricate well, plot that's ever been. That's conceived. what I'm getting the, getting to, though, is that he does that, and then he runs. He he takes her to the uh, Baxters, and then they're supposed to have the um, the exchange. And I'm I'm very much yeah. into the movie at this point. Like everything I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, the, the entire scene where where Clint Eastwood is walking around, and he's knocking on barrels, trying to find a, a trap barrel, and he ends up leaning on one that pops open. Yeah. That's that's a great little thing. Um, there's there's a lot of great moments throughout this. I mean, the entire the entire sequence with the I was like I was saying the three guys earlier and the the mule joke and all that stuff and how he's kind of like a funny. Uh, he he seems to be on the edge of laughing a lot of the time. Like you you can't quite tell if he's serious. Uh, the, yeah. the 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 entire way they play him is is really really well done. And I think there's a lot of good stuff up to that point in the movie. But then 
they he takes her to the Baxters. They they set up a hostage exchange. Um, and then during the hostage ex- exchange, it's revealed that oh, Marisol has a daughter and a or a daughter, uh, a son and a husband, um, and and little little baby child that that ends up reuniting with them. And he he kind of takes an interest. Uh, we we reveal later that that he actually was uh, or in a similar situation. So I don't know if we'll get more backstory on fistful dollars, but um, <laughs> I'm not gonna let it go. Uh, <laughs> and but what happens when we get to the next movie? And you st- are you sk- still gonna call him a fistful I'm, of dollars? I'm, I might. Or are you going to call him a few dollars more? No, no, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I'll have to see how they use him. I'll have to see if it seems like the same character. Got to, got to keep the continuity. Uh, so anyway, keep, he hashtag keep the continuity. <laughs> correct. Hashtag fistful dollars. Uh, he, he, I want, I want a modern version of this movie where the the main character is named Phil Dollars, and I don't, I, that's all I got. I don't know where we're going from there. It's probably like a spy movie or something. Probably gets a thirty-seven percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, you're being too generous. It would be much lower than that. <coughs> I'm dying. Anyway, so that's like making a sequel to Unbreakable and Split. Oh, topical. Uh, he he takes. Where's the camera so I can look into it? <laughs> he takes Marisol, um, and and basically, or basically, they they take Marisol to. Um, a, a a hideaway. Uh, I forget exactly why there there is there is an explanation for it, but I missed it. Like they're trying to um, prepare to, I think, take on the Baxters or something like that. And so then he 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 goes and he frees her. Uh, it's a great little scene because he he like wrecks the the hut. Well, the hideaway seems to be where they typically keep her because maybe, that's maybe where that's she all is at the beginning maybe, yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, right, 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 yeah. I. Once again, I feel like the plot could be resolved in five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Hyperbole, mm-hmm. I know. Um, the fact that the kid and the father are directly across the street from where well, the mom is being kept. I'm pretty sure the idea is that they're they're hiding there because they they want to see her. But the guy, one of the guy, one of the Rojos's guards clearly sees them there. Wouldn't that be like, His, oh, hey, boss, that, you know how you told that guy to leave town? I saw him. I kicked him a few times. Doesn't look like he's leaving, though. Let's shoot him. That's Chico. He's, uh, he's a little, <laughs> little, uh, little slow, you know. He's a little slow. A little slow. Uh, <laughs> but they, they, anyway, they, they take... He, he, he's not a fistful of dollars. Right. He's, he's, he's a penny. <laughs> he's, a, he's a few dollars less <laughs> if you want to go there. He's the ugly... Uh, they but anyway they hashtag release the Chico cut (laughs) they take they just kill the dad in like the first five minutes that's the Chico cut (laughs) is the dad Jimmy Olsen oh my god Clint Eastwood tracks down Marisol we're making all the references tonight and it's a great little scene he 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 walk he jumps he steps in to the uh, the hut where all the guys are sitting around and uh, he, he shoots them all up, and then one guy survive. He like gets into a fist fight with some of them. One guy um, is is getting up, and Marisol is like, "Watch out!" And he turns around and he flings a machete through his chest, and it's great. Yeah. Uh, now, now he should have said, um, 
What's the, what's the line Arnold Schwarzenegger says in, in Predators uh, when when he throws the machete at the guy? Yeah, he said, "Stick around." You <laughs> should have said. You should have had a really terrible one liner. Um, sure, <laughs> but yeah, he uh, takes the or takes sticks Marisol, takes her to the 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 kid and the husband. He's like, "You guys got to get out of here. I'm, I sympathize with you." You know, yeah. get away. And then he, um, <laughs> this, this, it, it was after, I was like, oh, that's a nice moment. You know, I, I like that character move. That's kind of the culmination. The problem is that that feels like the culmination of everything that's been set up so far. Like, we don't really care that much about the Baxters and the, the, it feels like at that point we should be like, all right. Some of us don't care at all. <laughs> well, I'm saying at that point we should be like, okay, let's go big shootout time, you know? They, he's yeah. he's he's cleared out the the innocence the the last people. We're kicking into the 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 crazy climax. Yeah, it's, it's it should be he 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 sneaks out. There's a great so the, the next scene is interesting because it's like there's a lot of cool shots and the the way that the the kind of the landscape and the framework is shot. There's a lot of cool shots of the caravan of the Rojos guys running away, and then Clint Eastwood kind of running at different angles and kind of like. Taking taking different routes and different roads, uh, at yeah. slightly odd angles to them, uh, and that's really interesting. But then it goes on for like a five or ten minutes. Like it keeps Once going. Again, this movie is too hard. Well, that's I, that's what I'm saying. Up to this point, I was like, it's a little slow, but I'm 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 here. I like the plot. I'm keeping up with the pace. You know, everything. I like these characters. This seems like a really interesting movie. And then from this point on, like I was saying, it should be he runs back into town. Uh, he 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 marches up. We've got the the Baxters and the Rojos are all riled up, and they're across from each other. And maybe maybe we get symbolically here. I am telling the master of the spaghetti western how he should make his movie. So you know, take that for, for what it's worth. Uh, but I'm just saying, my thought would be that at this point, given the type of movie it is, you got you got um, fistful dollars walking up in the middle of the town. Uh, the two sides on both. It's 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 the Rojos on one side, the Baxters on the other, and him in the middle. Like the line says. We, we we see him. He, he's walking up. It's playing some of the excellent, excellent. What's what's the director or not the director? The composer of the music. I should know this. Ennio Morricone. Yes, it's Morricone. so good, so good. And I know that the the it only gets better. I know that the theme from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly at least is is incredible. Yeah. And of course, um, there's the very famous. All that. Um, yeah. Um, I, I realized I did not give the Rotten Tomatoes scores for this. Oh. So let me go ahead and state those. <laughs> they don't matter. Per, 98% critic score and a 91% exactly. audience score. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to say they don't like the movie that came out 50 years ago and is hailed as a classic. Like, that... The, the, that's 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 how Rotten Tomatoes works. If if you go if right. you go beyond 1980, probably then you're you're that's that's too. If you go beyond 2000, <laughs> and it's a movie <laughs> and it's a movie people generally like, it's gonna have like 100. percent It's it's gonna be super high. But fair fair for uh, uh, tradition's sake. Um, See now that you say that, I want to look up the score to Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> I said people generally like. Yeah, Independence Day. Eh. A, Only the red letter media guys hate that movie. I've heard I've heard a lot of people say they don't like it, including myself because I watch red letter media. <laughs> and you are a hack who doesn't form your own opinions. And I'm a hack who doesn't form <coughs> your own opinions. 
See, this is why I'm flailing about because they never actually gave their opinions. So on you're like, movie, I, don't so I, don't I don't know. know what what I don't know what to think. It's boring. Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of boring. I don't know. Default to mild cynicism. Default. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Are you, are you are you still pulling up these scores? Yeah, gotta be quicker on to. the draw than that. See, the problem is, you'd expect, when you type in the movie, I'm ignoring you, when you type in the movie, you'd expect the first thing to pop up to be the Rotten Tomatoes score, and it's not, and I feel betrayed. What's the first thing that pop up? Uh, trailers, um, and then the IMDb score, what? the iTunes score, and the Metacritic score. You know those things that people don't look at no more? <laughs> Google, come on, you're failing me. You're making me, you're embarrassing me in front of the the podcast <laughs> listeners. As I look up the score for Independence Day on our fiscal dollar podcast, <laughs> how embarrassing. <laughs> um. Anyway, you, you keep, I'm saying you keep the finale of this movie I'll, should I'll be. Find. It's it's Clint Eastwood, and in my opinion, and and I'm sure I, I'm curious to see how much this series actually builds. And this is just sort of like ah, this is just installment number one. It just happens to be that. And if it's because I I think I've generally my general understanding sixty four percent beautiful. My general understanding is that this series gets better as it goes along. That's the the, the overall consensus is my to my knowledge. This trilogy improves each time. Um, we'll see. That'd be gr- that'd be great if it goes ninety eight percent, ninety nine percent, then one hundred percent. That'd be great. That'd be excellent. Um, but uh, so so maybe this is too big for the first movie. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what uh, Leon and Le- is it just Leon? Have we decided that's what it is? I don't know if it's Leon or Leone. I'm no, no. going with Leon. Uh, I'm a I'm a dumb ignorant American. I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> it's words. Also me. Um, yeah, Le- I don't know what Leon's vision was at this point. Although he's, he seems to be a very good director, I'll say that. I, I, I'm very impressed with how, with again, as you mentioned, the look of this movie, given it came out and or was created in 1964. Like that's that's already, you, you got you got yourself some points. Um, but I would just think that you would have him walk up to the town, you play some of that excellent score, and then you 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 get the big firefight, and we just it's just like ten minutes of just you know people just shooting everywhere. Uh, he's he's kind of in the middle. Maybe he's he's ta- maybe he's trying to take out the Rojos. Maybe I don't know. Um, and then he ends up in in the big shootout with Ramon or whatever, and and kind of goes through all that. Um, but instead, uh, there's a lot of ride of 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 time taken for them to ride back. Then I forget how they capture him. He 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 rides back to their oh. fort. Because he sneaks out of the Rojos' place because he has to... Does he have to go talk to the Baxters or, or something? Or is this after he... I think this is after he frees um, the family and sends them away. Yeah, that's away. what I'm saying. He goes, he goes back to the Rojos' and uh, the main bad guy there is there, uh, Ramon. Yeah. And he's like, oh, our carriage broke down. We didn't end up leaving. And then he's captured. Okay. And they beat the crap out of him. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they, they trap him in the barrel room again. And then he shoves the barrel down and, and kills Chico. Um, yeah. There's blood and wood everywhere, and it's great. Uh, and then he sets a fire to escape. Um, but then basically, yeah. basically he's been, like, 
pretty terribly beaten at this point. Uh, and at this point, there's been quite a bit of dragging on uh, in terms of how the pace of the movie feels. Um, it is. I do like how the guy who builds the casket sneaks him out through one of those. Yep, yep, very good. I like that. Um, this is a nice touch. It, they they do a good job of. Uh, oh, that that is where it really slows down, isn't it? Because that entire firefight between the Rojos and the Baxters is just—it's not even a firefight. Right. It's it's a slaughter, but it takes like so long. Yeah, um, and I feel like it could have been taken care of in the first twenty minutes <laughs> yeah, of the movie. Yeah, it, it, it takes a while. Um, I, I think it's maybe maybe for on my end, it's because the military aspect doesn't play a bigger part. Mm-hmm. I feel like it should be. We need a third party present who's like, you guys aren't going to war because we profit off the both yeah. of you. So they can't fight be. each other. Otherwise, you know, they, they'd run into problems with the military. So they're constantly like just small back and forth. Oh, we can get them there. We can get them there. But they don't do like full on attacks yeah. against each other. Like they should have. I, I needed something like that for this plot to make sense to sure, me. Sure. Otherwise, I'm just like, well. Why? They do explain. Why did they not just blow up their building in the beginning of the movie? <laughs> I think they. So I think the idea is that the Rojos. Go- also, are how many other civilians are in this town? Good question. Because at the Two. beginning of the movie, <laughs> a lot of the women are like running to take shelter yeah. because there's a, yeah. you know it gets announced from the, from the bell ringing that oh another body got you yeah. know somebody else got killed. Um, but I don't know how many people actually live in this town. Yeah, and then they start blo- just blowing <laughs> stuff up. And I'm like, how many people are dead? Seven. <laughs> Um, they do explain, I think, that the idea is that they steal the gold. Um, they don't want any heat on them, so they don't want to start another fight. While they they basically just want to lay low until the army comes through, decides, all right, must have just been a fight with the Mexican army or a fight between armies or whatever, what have you. Um, and then they just move on. Like that. That's what they want to. That's the idea is that they're waiting until afterwards to to blow up the the Baxters. Basically, um, they're 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 giving it some time. I don't know why they didn't do that before. Because when we see Ramon, he's already on the mission to get the gold. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe they already knew about the gold. They were planning on taking out the Baxters, but then they... I don't. It's not a massive deal. I think it's fine. Um, general idea it is bothered, that they... It do, bothered me a lot. The idea is that they don't want the heat coming down on them, all right? Um, as far as the next... Because, yeah, they, they there's the firefight. That takes forever. They They get him out. Um, he ends up in a cave. Uh, he 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 he. Goes, and then he just lays there for a while. He lays there for a while. Like... He goes full Tony Stark. He builds himself a, a little a little metal plate, which, uh, physically inaccurate as it may be, is is a lot of fun. Um, but again, it's it's almost comical in the same way I was going to say earlier that the the horse scene the, the when they're running back to town after they after he frees Marisol and her family, um. The the horse scene goes on like just long enough that it starts to be like it's kind of it's kind of funny. Like, you're kind of it kind of feels like Scooby Doo running around between the hallways. Um, Sergio, I think you're enjoying your footage a little too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's got a footage fetish. <laughs> he likes the, the medium of film. What can I say? Uh, they the, in the same way he he shows up in town. Because he's like, all right, I gotta free my friend. Don't remember the name of the friend. Um, the barman. Yeah, the barman. And um, so he shows up. And why are they friends? Because he he was just the first person that the, the, the talked to, and he showed kindness. This is fine. This... 
the West, the Wild West, is a different world, Alex. They, to, to me, they didn't have like much of a conversation. He just kind of shows up. and He's like, "All right, give me, give me stuff. I'm not going to pay you because I'm, I'm just going to be like a hired gun. Eventually, I'll pay you, maybe, yeah. whatever." I might no, die. I mean, that's, I think that's. A, I, I really like the introduction it was, of their dynamic. It was fine. I just wish they had. I don't know, maybe more expository lines. Yeah. Like I, I know the whole idea is that like we don't really know a whole lot about Clint Eastwood's right. character. It's just and he's called Joe a couple of times towards the end of the movie. I'm like, wait, so is is that like his actual name, or is that just the name? I think they that's probably to just him? the name they assigned to him. Yeah. Um. So I was a little bit confused on that. Uh, more yeah, like the man with a name trilogy. Oh that my name God. being Fistful Dollars. They they didn't want to just call it the Joe Trilogy. The Joe Trilogy. Okay? Um, but but I was I was just confused by by the the quote unquote buildup of their friendship. It just happened like super quick, huh. and in a movie this slowly paced. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I don't. I like their dynamic a lot, and I th- I think it works out fairly well. I'm not sure how I be- feel about the ending, both with regards to them and then uh, also Ramon shooting him and and the fake out with the with the. Shoot. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is I like that a lot. I like that idea a lot. Um, again, they do it too many times. I think because he he shows up and it's like because it gets on the verge of being comical. Yeah, it, he shows up and it's like, bam! They're like, we got him, and then he he falls down and he gets back yeah. up and it's like, uh. And the idea is that he's he's making all the bullets run out in the gun, but you could just say his gun has less bullets. I don't know. Um, and so so and and he, he asks, you no, know, no, that's that's how you have it set up. You have it set up to be like they got so excited and trigger happy shooting up the Baxters that they're sitting there counting up their bullets. I'm like, yeah. oh, I've only got X amount of bullets yeah, left. Yeah, something like that. That's all you need. Um, and the idea is, or he he brings back the line about the you got to shoot for the heart because that's the. Ramon tried to intimidate him. I like that a lot. Set up and pay off. That's There's fine. There's a lot of good my... set up and pay off in this. I'm, I'm finishing my thought, and then you can get your thought. Right, but fine, the, the, fine. the issue is that he starts by walking to the left, and then they shoot him there. And He just kind of strafes and for then, a while. Yeah, he's going back and forth <laughs> a little while, and it's very – it's a little strange. It's like, well, shouldn't it be – it feels like it should just be him coming straight on. Yeah. And then they keep shooting him, and then he keeps getting up, and then he – I don't know. It feels like they kind of did that weird – I don't, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't something something was strange there, um, but then he he runs out of bullets and he takes off the the vest. He shoots. He frees his friend. He frees the barman. Um, he has the, and then he says uh, the thing about the pistol and the the rifle. Uh, yeah. Basically turns every turns the entire situation against Ramon. Um, blasts and him. Then he just kills him. Yeah, and uh, it's great. I like I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, While well, I, I like the extra little bit of. Isn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the first one to load their gun and fire. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're both. Because he. Because like most quick draws, it's just like the the guns are already loaded. Right. I, I like the extra added little well, yeah, bit of tension to like. Oh, they have to load the gun. And, like they have to open yeah, it up yeah. and put the round in. Because because I like that. He he throws he he throws the 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 bullets to uh, Ramon. Yeah. Um, and then has him. I also love the bit where he he's like sitting there. Ramon's out of bullets, uh, and everyone's he's got his pistol out, and everyone's like, "Uh, what do we do?" And then he just shoots all of, all the four guys. Other four, yeah. like he just knock like wastes them all. So that Ramon's just like, "Uh, I need an adult." 
Um, that's great. Joe shot first. Joe shot first. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, then they have it, and they kind of have it be a thing where it's like he has to re or he can reload the pistol so much quicker than the rifle, and that's that's part of why he's able to get it off first. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, anyway, continue with your thoughts. Ramon should have tried shooting him in the head. Yeah. Any well, sane, logical person, after they shot him twice in the heart, would go, maybe I should try for the head, because that's something I can actually see. Well, the whole thing is, one, it's... I know his his line and setup and payoff, I know all that. A logical person would have shot yeah. him in the head. And I love... But he's not supposed to be. Follow me here. Yes. Follow me here. The Back to the Future movies... You know, mm-hmm. there's the bit where Biff's watching it, and that's a setup for for Marty to to use that as a fake out in Back to the Future Part Three. The terrible, terrible film Wild Wild West with Will Smith subverts this this trope because Kevin Klein's character he he's kind of Q mm-hmm. kind of, um, but like an old West style Q, and he he has this vest, and he's like, it's called the Impermeable. It blocks bullets, but I've never tested it at short range. And there's a bit where he's about to be executed at the end, and he gives this long speech of like, oh, if a bullet pierces my heart, my heart that has loved this country for so long, and the bad guy just goes, shoot him in the head. <laughs> and he goes, darn. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. You gotta shoot him right between the eyes. A logical person would just shoot him in the head. You gotta shoot him right between the eyes. Right between the eyes. But I, I get that, and I... First of all, the movie came out in 65, 64. Suspension of disbelief was different back then. <laughs> People believed in things back then, dang it. Um, but no, I was going to say, I, I think it... Like not shooting a man right between the right. eyes. It's all been downhill ever since. Uh, no, I, I think I think that's... Uh, I, I kind of like that a lot in that... Because normally it would be like... If if he was just walking straight on, it's like ah, they're just shooting him in the chest. Why is he not shooting him in the head? I really like the fact that they've set that up before. That that's Ramon is clearly a very like prideful guy. Yes, at least there is something yeah. in his obsession with with shooting a man in the heart, and he forms the heart yes. shape around the armor. There is something there. So, yeah. I, 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 I I it's not like a complete flaw. It's just right. something that really right. irked me. I like I just like that a lot. That that's sort of his downfall. That he he's like. I'm gonna if I can just hit him right, I'm gonna get him. Like if I, I just gotta, I just gotta get the perfect shot and I'm kill him. Oh, the fact it's still that I had to reference Wild Wild West is shameful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the, the, I like that movie for all the wrong reasons. Sure, sure. Got a pretty good theme though. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, also on top of that scene, the brother who's up in, Sabat, in the building, he's about yeah. And he's going to try and snipe Clint Eastwood after the fact. Yeah. I'm like, you would have shot him ten minutes ago. <laughs> this is this is dumb. <laughs> it, it's That's like co- the end a bit of Die Hard where everyone's safe. But then the, the big uh, German guy with the long blonde hair walks out. And it's like, last time we saw you, you your your neck was wrapped around a chain and you were dead. <laughs> like, there's no, This situation makes no sense. <laughs> It's, well, it's like that. It, and it sort of feels like they're trying to tie a little bit too neat of a bow on it, because then his barman is the one who ends up killing him, is the one yeah. who shoots Esteban. Um, so it's, it's sort of like, ah, oh, everyone gets their, their due, and it's kind of like, eh, it's, yeah. you, you've, you've done a little too much here. And to further submit this, and this is where I found it kind of comical, 
Um, the barman's just like half dead and he's just kind of sitting there. Uh-huh. And then Clint Eastwood's just like trading a couple of quips and one-liners with him and then he just leaves. Like, wouldn't he be like, oh, I'm going to help you. Let me get you some water at least. Like, He's fine. If I, I actually did not. I'd be like, the bar, you know, Clint Eastwood starts walking off. Yeah, thanks for that, you prick. <laughs> you brought nothing but, but misery upon me. For what it's worth, I did not catch that at all in terms of, like, that. nothing about that was, like, particularly weird to me. So, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. But I really liked his his final, I don't know if it's his final line, but it's it's one of the last lines he says where he's like, the Mexican army on, on the south and then the U.S. army on the north and me in the middle? That yeah. sounds like a terrible idea. And then he, he like, yeah. that's a, that's an excellent callback loop around thing. Right. Um, that's that's an iconic line. That's that, that's a line that I'm definitely going well, to want to reference furthers, to people who have not seen this movie. <laughs> and it, well, it furthers your idea of him being, like, on the verge of laughing mm-hmm. and just finding the whole situation just kind of comical. So, I think that kind of cements your point. Um, I needed more with his motivation. I need just just a little bit more. Um, and I'll be curious to see if they do more with that now that they've kind of established it's this guy. Yeah. He's here. He does things like I don't like. I, I'm fine with him rescuing the family and being like, I knew a woman like you once, and it's clearly supposed to be like, oh, like a loved one of his yeah. or something to that effect. Like that's fine from that angle. But why does he go to such lengths to screw these 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 two families over? Like I well, feel like he's if just you were trying just to make a hired. Money. I know, but I feel like if he was just like, okay, I'll be a hired gun with them for like six months. He'd make money and then he'd leave, and then he wouldn't have to work so hard sure, for sure. it. I don't know. And maybe he kind of has fun with it. Kind of seems like he does. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the thing. I don't know if I'm supposed to sympathize with him or laugh at him or hate him. I don't know how I'm supposed to yeah. feel about him. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's so much me going. I'm a dumb audience member. I need everything explained to me. Mm-hmm. I I don't think anything is ex- explained really about his character. Yeah. Or at least with regards to that. Yeah. I needed a bit more. Fair. I think the biggest thing, and it kind of goes back to the fact, I really was impressed by the fact that the beginning of the movie, he's setting up this this crazy, intricate little back and forth where he's trying to play both sides to get the most money out of it. Uh, It's like the third act of The Punisher, where where Thomas Jane is is playing John Travolta (laughs) against his friends and family. Probably a little better than the third act of The Punisher. (laughs) I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, problem. Um, I like the, that Punisher movie. Yeah, problem. That's the second time we re- referenced the Punisher. Yes, it is. But like two different uh, Punishers. Um, Maybe they should make a, a Punisher into the Punisher verse movie. They all just shoot each other. They all just shoot each <laughs> other. Um, but no, I, I think that. But see, they're they're all wearing metal plates underneath yes. the white armor, so they don't die. And they refuse to shoot each other in the head. And the sur- the lone survivor is the original Punisher, Fistful Dollars. <laughs> uh, no, I I like the fact a lot that they immediately they kind of establish who he is by having him be this guy who's kind of he's clever. He's he's scheming. He's trying to to work the money off these people. Um, yeah. Again, kind of summarized by that that first line he has, where he's like, "Oh, it's me in the middle after these two people." All right, you know, um, like that. I think is a really great way to establish his character, but it's also kind of like I was expecting it. It gave me higher expectations for the rest of the plot. 
because yeah. that was that was kind of fun and 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 specific and and lots of really fun little little maneuvering. Whereas by the end of it, it's basically just shooting people, um, which is fine, but it feels like we. I was expecting the plot to sustain itself more throughout the movie. Now, hear me out here. How much of your enjoyment of this movie is just you're a huge fan of Red Dead Redemption and you just enjoyed all the quick draw scenes? Not really. I mean, the quick draw scenes in these are fun, um, but they're almost too quick. <laughs> like, it's literally just he holds it up and, and I get kind of how they have to shoot that because they, they want it to be like almost superhuman. Uh, where yeah. it's like clearly he is. I mean, it it, it does an effective job of making me like this man is the fastest draw in the West or whatever, um, right? And I like that, uh, but it 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 almost. I mean, it, and again, a lot of it's just because this movie was made in, in the '60s, and uh, we've come a lot farther in, in in shooting action scenes. But at the same time, like it's effective. There are a lot of there are a lot of directors um, these days, and and since the 60s basically like there are a lot of directors in the history of film since this movie came out who would have done a, mus- a much worse job trying to comp- to per- uh, portray such a simple sort of effect um, yeah. they would have probably done a lot more with not necessarily like CGI or special effects although that could certainly play a part but just like try to shoot that in such a way where it looks like really cool and edgy and, and crazy yeah. um and there's something very nice about it just being very simple. So somehow I've managed to talk myself into loving the quick draw scenes, apparently. Well, but I do think that, that it's a little bit dated in the way they do it. Um, and I think a lot of the, the scenes kind of uh, suffer from that. We're just sort of the... <clears throat> there. There's an abundance of people shooting and, and not really showing where their bullets are going. <laughs> it's just sort of like, shoot, yeah. shoot, shoot. These guys, shoot, well, shoot, the, shoot. The movie's not really about the action no, scenes. No, Um, But... My problem is when this plot is so thin yeah. and meandering. The movie. I need those action scenes to pack a little more punch. The movie is really centering itself on um, Clint Eastwood's performance. I mean, the, I think that's when it comes yeah. down to it. That's that's the the driving. Oh my god, this is the same as Venom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's much better than Venom. <laughs> uh, Venom is a cinematic travesty, and nobody should have gone to see it. Tyler Venom should have been nominated for best picture <laughs> oh my god uh I yeah I mean I, I just think that they're trying to play off of Clint Eastwood's performance which is is really good like I, I think that does ex- successfully carry a lot of the movie um it, and I think it, it does I'm very curious when we get to James Bond because we we decided that theoretically is what we're doing next right Sean Connery Bond yes we might have some well Sean Connery slash Lazenby sure, Bond, sure. because that's all one. The Spectre movies. Right, right. We might have some cleanup to do in terms of movies that have come out because we got Crimes of Grindelwald is floating around out there. Uh, Creed Two is floating around out there. Aquaman, Bumblebee. Uh, we we got we got a series of, of movies that we're probably gonna have to catch up on once we've knocked these three out. Um, one of those movies is definitely good. <laughs> I feel like I'm probably missing one too, but anyway. Uh, and it's the Crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> I'm very excited to watch the Crimes of Grindelwald, but not for the reasons that Warner Brothers wants me to, me to be excited about the Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, I, I feel I, I have a feeling I'm going to be sitting there like it's bad, but it's better than Half Blood Prince, so I can't complain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> accurate. 
I haven't seen it, but accurate, probably. <laughs> um, at least they can't be butchering source material. To, to some what extent. source material? J.K. Rowling's just making it up as she goes at this point. Yeah. That's a that's a whole topic. Who needs plans when you can just contradict yourself? <laughs> <laughs> that's that hashtag. Where's the continuity? <laughs> that slogan. Who needs plans when you can contradict yourself? That is framed. Uh, it's it's like one of those you know like like live love laugh signs <laughs> yeah and it's sitting above george lucas's fireplace <laughs> and you know what man you live your life you do it i am here for it um but anyway i'm very I'm curious i'm gonna write this down because i seriously if there's like a a place where you can get like custom designed t-shirts with messages on them <laughs> i want that uh, we we should get matching t-shirts on the back will be the logo for the podcast and then on the front will be that <laughs> i'm okay with this see see i would say oh we can sell them to our audience members <laughs> they don't want it joseph, but I want joseph it. might buy one joseph might britain might britain might buy one <laughs> um yeah i i was gonna who say needs who needs plans when you can contradict yourself that could almost be the name of this podcast. It really could. We talk about that so often. That could be the name of the yes. podcast. Yes. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I don't consider myself a clever person, but I thought that That's was pretty, pretty good. good. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I am very curious because we've talked before. I, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but we've said before how you kind of grew up on James Bond. And Correct. for me, the, the that series, that classic series that was probably a little uh, aimed at a little bit of older audience than when I was watching it, you know, that sort of idea um, was yeah. Indiana Jones. That was that that scratched that action itch a little more for me. Um, and, and just because I never really was exposed to the James Bond movies. Um, so I'm very curious how much, if, if any, of this trilogy in general, we'll kind of see how you feel about the other two, maybe. Um if that's going to be influenced, and again, how I'm going to feel about the early James Bond movies, how much of that is going to be influenced by our respective sort of approaches to to fundamental right. action heroes? Um, well, it's just funny because one of my biggest complaints with most of the James Bond movies mm -hmm. is how they strip a lot of his characterization yeah, out. True. <laughs> and I kind of feel that way about Indiana Jones. Not completely, because yeah. there is stuff there. And it's also, it's not based um, on anything to rip the, yeah. <laughs> the material out of yeah. the, the problem is I've read the Bond books mm -hmm. um, there's actually a quote from Ian Fleming when I think it was when Dr. No came out where he goes oh I'm sure people that, that haven't read the book will love this <laughs> like that's his quote that's excellent I'm like you sly dog <laughs> please don't he didn't like elaborate that like I really hope he meant that or he said that very genuinely so it was like yeah I hope wait <laughs> I think he elaborated a bit more, but that, that I really was like hope the main thrust. That of the was quote. the main thing, and that it wasn't like couched as a dig. Like that, it was just sort of like, yeah. yeah, you know, they'll probably like it if they haven't read the books, and just sort of like dropped it as like, you know, the director is like, oh, thanks. Wait, what? <laughs> That's great. Like, like the producers are just standing. There, did, did he compliment us? Oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, and somewhere, 
Uh, I'll never watch it again. I have. <laughs> it's fine. Fair. I was going to say, and somewhere a, a young David Yates was taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even. I. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, Wait, no, notes with regards to what? Oh, the, <laughs> to the, the that quote. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> although I don't, I don't have that much malice for David Yates. I guess maybe it's. I kind of do because his directing seems just very. And after after Order of the Phoenix, it just seems very clear that he's not right for Harry Potter. Right, and not so much malice. I mean, that's not. No, and he's, it just, he's not really the one. And, it, and it's not a complete mismatch where I go, oh, they just got the wrong guy, like Zack Snyder with the right. DC movies. Because we saw Order it, of the It's Phoenix. just like, a couple of tweaks, don't let him touch that color grading, and we're fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like there's probably someone who I should be thinking of that is worse at adapting movies from books. I don't, know, I don't know who the director of Aragon is, and he only got one shot at it, so I can't be like, man, you ruined Aragon. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. No one remembers that. You remember that, and that's all that matters. That's yeah, true. Christopher Columbus did Percy Jackson, I believe. I don't know if he directed it, but he was he was involved. Oh, boy. And that turned out badly. But Christopher Columbus also did, didn't he do Home Alone? Yeah, he did the first two it's Home like, Alone movies. Like, I can't hate a man who did the first two Home Alone movies. He also did Pixels. Yeah. With Adam Sandler. Yeah, Adam Sandler pays anybody to do anything these days. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to make a movie while I'm uh, uh, grabbing a beer? It's like... You, you want to you wanna point the camera at me while I'm on vacation? Basically. It's like, you can be on vacation, too. Like, I'm not... We're not we're not making you, you do any work here. It's just... Don't worry. The, the real money's going to the editor who's going to actually make this into a thing. <laughs> Um, Are we doing grades? Yeah, let's do grades. I forgot we hadn't done grades. Um, I feel pretty comfortable with where I'm at, and I know this is going to seem a little harsh. Uh, no, no, not even close. Um, I the movie that I want to compare this to is Batman. Okay, similar to how you wanted to compare it to Star Wars, where. Very important for the time, cultural milestone. If you grew up with it, it's probably very important to you. But but as an outsider, it's not it's not as special as as one would hope it would be. Sure. Um, it's just the plot. It comes down to the plot and the lack of significant characterization for for Clint Eastwood. So I, I'm going C plus. Okay. It's still, it's still. I, I would still classify it as a solid movie, mm-hmm. but nothing more and nothing less. It's fifty years old, over fifty years old. You yeah, know, it's like it's like what you can't be that upset at it. At it yeah, but dated, I've seen I'd other. Say. I've no, no, seen no, I'm, other I'm, movies I'm, from around that time that I think work better on a plot and character. Well, I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying to your point. I think that. You, you can't be, like, that defensive over something that it's like, this was a really great action blockbuster-type thing of the time. Proto-blockbuster-type thing. Like, you you can't be... It, uh, I hope... I hope we'll be able to say this about the first two Spider-Man movies and, like, eh, you know, another another 20 years go by, maybe people will start to be like, eh, they're, they're dated. In 20 years, I'm going to say they're terrible. <laughs> I guarantee it. Like right. my my opinion is slowly I, slid down for them. Uh, give me twenty years, and I'm, I'm going to say they're. I'm terrible. not talking about 
your opinion, I'm saying the internet opinion. Where we can kind of yeah. Eventually, they'll be one and the same. Step back and be like, you know, they could have they could have been improved. Um. Anyway, I think I gave. I don't remember what I gave. Maybe, those movies. maybe there will be a resurgence for the Amazing Spider-Man. Not the uh, second one. I'm just talking about the first. Probably one. not. <laughs> probably not. But a, a boy can dream. <laughs> I'm going B plus. I liked it quite a bit. Okay. I, I had aside from obviously it was boring, but at the same time, um, this movie can afford to be a little more boring at parts than others because of the fact that its plot is not so like building on itself. Like it's it's not the same kind of thing where it's building this ultimate arc. It's it's because it's a little more of of not vignettes, but it, because it's it's broken down into general sequences. Um, yeah. I think it can afford to have boring sequences more because it's you're you're not necessarily expecting the entire thing to again kind of like the Godfather um, and the God the the, the sequels, um, which is what I was going to say. What what did you give the other two Godfather movies? Uh, B plus and B minus. Interesting. Do you say you like the Godfather three more than more than this? Yes. Okay. Better acting and better characterization. What did I give the other two. Uh, you gave uh, A minus and B. You were higher on them than I was. Hmm. And that's parts two and three. The first one we both gave A pluses. Godfather two really is an A plus movie and a like B minus movie. <laughs> but it's a really good A plus movie. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's also a fine B minus movie. <laughs> uh. Yeah, the the movie just just couldn't excite Random me. Random side note, because I feel like we're diving into some some series that do more of this. How many dead franchises are there? Because we were just talking about all the different franchises we're going to have to pick up after uh, and uh, clean their mess up in in a couple of weeks. Um, we'll give it a couple of weeks, and the Unbreakable Split Glass uh, franchise will be dead. <laughs> sure, sure. But I'm thinking like topical. Obviously, this this franchise is is dead. Um, Oh god, could you imagine if they tried to remake these? I told you. It's gonna be a modern remake. It's gonna be starring Phil Dollars. I don't I don't I got I got nothing else aside from that. It's probably starring like <laughs> starring uh Sam Worthington. <laughs> just like some Hollywood exec, just like seventy year old man, uh you know, no, 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 no. I got it. I, I'll do even better. Somebody watched John Carter and the opening bit where Taylor Kitsch is yes. in the Old West. And they say, I want that, <laughs> but the whole movie. And they're going to do all the press releases. It's like, well, I, I watched I watched uh, the, the Fistful of Dollars when I, was, when I was four. And it's just such an important part of, part of my life. And has influenced me to be to be in the film industry so much. And then I, I, my my little kid, he was he was watching this movie. It was a crap movie, but but it was called John Carter Mars. And I just ah oh, the it was just so good. I only I only watched five minutes of it, but it was a western, and I loved it. <laughs> that, that that western part. And then all the kids. Also, John Carter of Mars is a legitimately good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking from a from a, a a film executive standpoint. I know. Uh, I know, as I'm, generic I'm as Britain, Britain will back me up on this. It's a legitimately good. At some movie. point, you'll make me watch it, and I'll probably be like, "Yeah, that was pretty good." Um, yeah. Anyway, and this person was like, 
And all the kids. The worst thing about it might just be Taylor Kitsch. I needed someone a bit more charismatic. This person was like, and all these kids these days, they're talking about the 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 Red Dead Redemption. Uh, and, and I was just like, it's time. You know, they say that that westerns they got too big and they they died off because they were just too well now it's like superhero movies are doing that so why don't we just bring the westerns back it makes it makes it's the perfect this movie's gonna be I'm so excited 37% <laughs> loses loses 50 million dollars on a uh, 20 million dollar budget <laughs> oh <laughs> There, there are few things I would more few just like mundane everyday things that I would want to pay more to see than conversations between Hollywood executives in a boardroom talking about creative decisions on movies. Yep, like I so want to be a part of or to be a fly on the wall in like decisions that lead to, for example, Justice League getting cut to two hours. Two hours, for, yeah, to, and. And how that gets communicated to the creative team, who is probably full of insightful people who really want to do good work, and are just like, "Oh, you're you're doing what?" <laughs> cough, I cough, Sam Raimi. A fly on. I want to be a fly on the wall the day Batman vs Superman gets released, and they're looking at all the critical yeah. feedback. Yeah. And they're just like, "Oh God." Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's a fistful of dollars for you. It was fine. <laughs> Maybe even pretty good. Nah. Just yeah. fine. Hey, I'll take this over Venom <laughs> or The Predator any yeah. day of the week. I'll take a boring movie with with fun performances and, and, and cool visuals over, over Venom or The Predator. <laughs> Those movies suck. Yeah, I enjoyed the Predator anyway, though. I was, I was, I did want to make a genuine point about the the Dead franchises thing because I don't, we haven't, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know how we got off of that. Um, but because you start talking about <laughs> studio executives, <laughs> uh, but this this franchise clearly, the Godfather franchise clearly, um, Back to the Future, like it's really only those trilogies. I feel like pretty much everything else. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I'm worried about is that we'll eventually get to where we're really just reviewing movies four months after they come out and that's all we do um, it's gonna happen I don't know I'm curious if enough franchises although James Bond can carry us for sure for quite some time no no, no but I'm saying like in order for us to when every time we do one of those catch up sequences it's gonna be like ten movies um, it's true but I, I think all of it. I think there might be enough that like die off <laughs> Um, I mean, Aliens dead. I was going to say, I think we're done dead. with Aliens and Predators for at least a few years. I think we're we got them off our backs. No, no. It's just interesting. Say Harry Potter's dead, but then I, I yeah, I'm it's in, not. I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm changing. I'm amending my statement to I wish it was dead. <laughs> oh, okay. But that's my thing. <laughs> that was when I thought of where I was like, oh, you know, Batman could be dead. We don't actually know. Sure. sure. Um, Superman's dead. However, but we haven't even done that. Clearly, those. Batman has has led us to doing the DCU, which means that we have to still have to do movies like Suicide Squad that he's in for two seconds. Oh God, so. that moment when you realize there's another Terminator movie still coming and another Jurassic World movie coming. 
<sighs> Are the only truly dead? I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean might be dead, right? They're rebooting it. They've already announced they're rebooting it, and the writers of Deadpool are going to be writing it. <laughs> they haven't announced a Creed 3, so we might be good with Rocky. I want that, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll put it to you this way between Star Wars and the MCU we're going to sustain ourselves in like a couple of years if we keep wrong. this up it'll just be catching up on those dear god I read an article the other day about how uh, the DCU like they they had one good advantage with Aquaman in that uh, they finally beat mostly because everything fell through they, they only made one movie in like a two year span or whatever it is yeah and I was like yeah that's fine and all we gave some people room to breathe but like the MCU started that way and then they just weren't dumb as far as how they went about like continuing to build on that they didn't yeah, release the movies continue to be entertaining and fun so people aren't tired of them they didn't release unless you're like a pretentious critic who's like oh I don't like fun yeah um, they didn't release Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, and Justice League all within like I don't know, like three years, something like that. Something terrible. No, two years. Twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen, you had BVS, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, and uh, Justice League. It's like, hey, how? All right, uh, Warner, Warner Brothers executive is like, how long do you think we should wait before we uh, make a new make a new DC movie? And it's like, all right, well, how long did you wait since the last one? It's like, well, we actually took a while off. We took it was like a year and a half before uh, we released another one. It's like, well, why don't you like double that? You know, really give people time to reset. It's like, all right, we can do three years, and it's like, three years go by to do that. And it's like, what about after that? Well, it's like, I think people still need time. Why don't you do Why don't you do six years? Why don't you just do six years, and then we'll come back to that? It's like, okay, okay. Come back and it's like, mm, no, mm, let's do twelve. Can we do twelve <laughs> and just slowly back them into non-existence? <sighs> that or just get like Kevin Feige to do DC movies when he does when he's done with Marvel. I, I'm fine either way. Yeah. Well, the weird part is, and like we're talking about Aquaman now. Mm-hmm. The weird part is. That's like the last one, as far as I know, that that Jeff Johns has like any influence on because like he wrote the script or at least co-wrote, and it's kind of based a lot on his run. Mm -hmm. But they kind of scapegoated him out of the picture when Justice League came out because they're like, blame him. Yeah. Bye. Even though I'm pretty sure him and Joss Whedon are the only reason we got a viable Superman. Um. Even if... Apparently, Joss Whedon is to blame for the stupid, joking Aquaman in Justice League. I'm just talking about the Superman. I'm just saying that that is... I know. (sighs) But uh, uh, from what I have heard, James Wan actually asked Zack Snyder for feedback on Aquaman's characterization in the movie. Okay. Oh, you mean the other way around? No, no, no. James Wan asked Zack okay. Snyder for help. In Aquaman? With the Aquaman okay, okay, movie. Gotcha, yes. Gotcha. <coughs> Intriguing. Apparently. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is true or not. And I don't really care. 
You can uh, find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. That's my review. Uh, you can um, find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can find us uh, through email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You can Crimes find us of Grindelwald is a D minus. You can find uh, us on uh, the... Bumblebee is a solid B minus. Probably like Spotify. We're not on Spotify. I wish we were on Spotify. Um, just go like get search us on us. Spotify. See what happens. I don't know. Get get us on these podcasts. The internet is a wonderful networks, place. Tyler. See what happens. Get us on there, Tyler. I'm gonna make I a I'm gonna make you. a band camp. Uh, do it. <laughs> Why not? Um, hit us up on SoundCloud. What other movies came out that I I should give arbitrary Bumblebee. grades to? Even though I didn't say... Yeah, I, I said B minus. Oh, B minus? It had to have B in it. I know. It was fine. Um, uh, what other movies... Creed 2. ...are coming out? Creed 2. Uh, well, I actually saw that. Uh, <laughs> crap. That kind of breaks my logic here. B plus A minus. I don't really, know really yet. really got you in a box. Um, B plus A minus. I don't know yet. Let us end our mortal suffering. Um... Mighty Ducks 1. I give it a C. Mighty Ducks 2 is an A+. Plus. Mighty Ducks 3, C-. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm done. <laughs> continue continue on if you'd like. Into the Spider-Verse, A-. It's fine. <laughs> That's my review for Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. I'm done. <laughs> you already said the thing I'll, I'll stop talking now thank you for listening everybody next week we'll be doing a few dollars or is it is it a few dollars more or for a few dollars more I think it's just a few dollars more anyways we'll see you guys next time thanks for listening art is subjective I think it's real <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs>